the world is going through changes. Changes happening at a speed that we have never seen before. This is leading to disruption, chaos, panic, fear, hysteria, and a turbulent economy and marketplace. How do you protect your wealth in a turbulent world? How do you invest for cash flow and alternative assets to escape the rat race in times of uncertainty? How do you decentralize yourself, your family, your community, your business, and your investments to become sovereign and escape the matrix? If you are looking for strategies, tactics, and techniques to escape the rat race and matrix, you are in the right place. My name is MC Lobsher, and this is Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Cashflow Ninja and spending your most valuable resource, your time, once again with me. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. At CashflowNinja.com, you could find three of our podcasts, Cashflow Ninja, Cashflow Investing Secrets, and Reset Investing Secrets. You can also grab a copy of my book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches. Subscribe to my newsletter, The Best Cashflow Niches Newsletter, in which we share one brand new Cash flow niche, well researched every single month, or you can join our mastermind, Cash Flow Nirvana, which is a community of business owners and investors that's looking to protect and build wealth during turbulent times. I've got a fantastic show for you today. I'm joined by Don Wenner. He is the CEO of DLP Capital. Uh, he is involved in a lot of amazing things. Um, Don, fantastic to have you on the show. It is an honor and a, and a privilege. Thank you for letting me uh, join you here today. Absolutely. Now, for folks, um, for our listeners and viewers that's not familiar with you uh, and your background and what you do, can you please share a little bit uh, with them? Yeah, love to. Um, so as we were chatting a little bit ago, uh, you know, grew up in uh, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, which is uh, kind of an hour, hour and a half north of Philadelphia. Um and uh, grew up to uh, two young parents. They had me at 16 years old, obviously high school students. And um, I was in the I'm the oldest of, of ultimately five and uh, grew up with, as you would expect, by uh, two 16-year-olds, very limited uh, means. Um, dad was a prison guard most of my childhood and my uh, mom ran a home daycare. So I'd uh, pretty much every day have five or six kids that weren't my siblings in my house, plus my younger siblings uh, every day. And um, uh, you know, there's the interesting conversation as, you know, we both have young kids of nature versus nurture and I don't know exactly what it was, but I had a, a strong entrepreneurial, uh, kind of bent from a very young age, um, was, uh, selling whatever I could to classmates in elementary school was running a business, um, in middle school knew what I was going to do by eighth grade, which was become a financial advisor, which is not what I did, but uh, what I what I knew I was going to do then and moved out of my parents' house as a 17-year-old, a junior in high school, and went out on my own and determined I knew better and uh, um, uh, supported my way through uh, through college and ultimately uh, sort of, like, I'll say, stumbled into real estate at, at 20 years old, uh, still in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, we, that was the October 2006. So it was the kind of peak of the market right before the market started shifting. And my business was finding uh, homeowners who needed to sell their home and 
kind of uh, providing them options. Either we'd step in and buy their home, we would help them sell their home through our real estate brokerage. We had a national short sale negotiation company. And and as we provided solutions to people, it kind of developed into additional business lines very naturally over the next, you know, now 17 years. So uh, I'll kind of pause there, but um, that was the kind of quick, quick version of the, the backstory uh, before kind of my real estate career. Yeah, and uh, what uh, what's your line of business? Just for folks that they know what 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 you what you're into today. What what does DLP Capital do? And uh, you're a best selling author. I mean, there, there's there's so many things to tap into here. But let's just talk about uh, what you're up to today and the line of uh, business that you're into. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, and you know, it's been it's been a fun journey where you know I I learned very early on that you know every business. Um, uh, is is has really one job, which is to is to solve people's problems, right? And and so early on, I realized, hey, if there's if some if a lot of people continue to have the same problem, right? And if I can create a solution for that problem, I have a business, right? And um, so in the beginning, it was finding motivated home sellers who needed to sell their home and helping them if they were upside down on what they owed, doing short sales if they needed to sell really quick or the home wasn't in sellable condition, just buying their home. You know, then when we could, we were buying lots of homes, we needed to construct more. We couldn't find good contractors and we started doing construction. And then at the bottom of the market, when we said, hey, let's build a rental portfolio because there's a big need for rental housing, um, especially for working families. Um, we started a property management company and launched private investment funds because we needed more capital to, to invest in buying more, more real estate. And so it was a natural evolution to where we are today, which is uh, today DLP Capital has about $5 billion in asset center management. Uh, in total, we have about 700 employees, team members. Um, we're headquartered in St. Augustine, Florida, and we're a private, you know, financial services and real estate investment company. And and more simply put, um, we invest in in workforce, attainable workforce housing. So we provide housing that is and remain affordable for working families. And we do that as a lender. We do that as an equity provider to other sponsors. We do so directly as a developer and operator. Um, we own about 18,000 doors today, rental homes today. We're developing about 10,000 brand new rental home units today. And then we fund a couple billion dollars a year as a, as a lender. We also own a sister company, a bank, uh, about to be called DLP Capital Bank. Today, it's called Community State Bank of Florida. And all of our uh, capital um, that supports all the things I just talked about um, is uh, a set of uh, evergreen open-ended funds that we manage. And so we have direct relationships with, you know, sm small business owners, entrepreneurs, professionals, you know, accredited investors. We have 2,400 families uh, invested with us um, that we get to be stewards of their capital and, and deploy it as a lender, as an equity provider, as a direct sponsor. And the 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 problem that you guys are tackling is the workforce housing, which is a huge, huge challenge right now. Huge problem, right? Uh, especially yeah. in this environment, uh, which has become very, very inflationary. And obviously, um, we're the the working uh, uh, people are absolutely getting squeezed from all ends in this in this uh, economic environment. Yeah, they they are, and, and you know, so for us, you know, kind of our our focus, and I kind of skipped over this sort of quickly, but we consider ourselves an impact company, and all of our funds are are impact funds, meaning we're we're focused on making a an impact in people's lives through our, our business and our strategy. Unlike some sort of impact strategies, we do that where it's not at all in conflict conflict with generating great returns. We don't think doing good and generating returns have to be in conflict. It's harder to do both, but but certainly can be done. And and we do that through investing in housing that is and will remain affordable 
So we define that by how our rents are less than 30% of the area median income or of our residents' income, which means they're not having to sacrifice the basics of healthcare, food, education to be able to pay their rent. And that's the, the fundamental sort of baseline of what we do. Um, but what we, you know, what we, uh, our purpose at DLP is Dream Live Prosper, which is what DLP stands for, passionately making a positive impact in building thriving communities. And um, building thriving communities starts with having a safe, affordable place to live. Um, but that's just, that's just the table stakes. That's just the beginning. And um, one of the things I was with the CEO of Goodwill, um, you know, about a year ago, and um, he said something that I found profound. And I know, you know, you and I both have uh, wives who are, who are school teachers and are educators. And, um, and he said, you know, and so our, our wives probably know this really well, but it was profound for me. He said, you know, from kindergarten to third grade, children learn to read. From fourth grade on, uh, children read to learn. And those third grade ability to read, third grade literacy scores are so critical, so important to determining not just educational success, but, but life success, that many counties in America size their prisons based on third grade literacy scores. Right? Wow. So that's how, how critical it is. Yet the average uh, renter renting in an apartment community in America moves about every 14 months, right? So I, to me, when I, you know, that, that always would think that, that mom with two kids, if she's moving her two kids every year, right? And they're changing schools, they're changing teachers, they're changing support system, let alone, we all know the great saying that it takes a village to raise a, raise a child, right? They're, they're leaving their neighbors, they're leaving the, the people they know, the area they're, they're in. Um, the effects that has on certainly your ability to read, but your, your learning altogether and your overall development are are significant. So for us, we we invest in communities that are safe and affordable, but we want our residents to stay long term. We're, we're targeting averaging nine year average occupancies. We want people to stay there, want to be there, be a part of the community, be involved with their neighbors, uh, have real connection, which is which is a really big deal. It's one of the other crises we're focused on, what we call the happiness crisis. Uh, there's a there's a really scary stat out there that every year they survey teenagers and about how you know unhappy or happy they are, right? And every, one of the questions they ask is, how often do you feel hopeless? And every year it was single digits that they felt hopeless regularly until 2015, and it spiked up to over 50%. Today it's 57% of teenagers say they feel hopeless most days. Right. Wow. And that was when the, the biggest connection point, that's when uh, uh, social media hit the cell phone. Right. And that lack of real connection that got replaced with with social media. Right. And um, and so we're big on creating these connection, real communities. Um, and, um, and that starts with the physical, you know, physical place they live. I want to take a moment to share something very important right now. Are you trying to figure out how to protect your savings? from the banking collapse, which has already started, and the coming financial crisis. Most banks will fail. Deposits that are not insured by the FDIC will be lost, and there will be bank bail-ins. And this collapse in the banking system will lead to chaos in the financial system. Banks also provide loans to real estate investors. So what do you think is going to happen to lending in the event of a banking and a financial crisis. You can be proactive and position your savings to protect it and also have access to it to use it 
to buy discounted assets by positioning it in your own banking system through the infinite banking concept strategy. Producers Wealth has put together a presentation at yourownbankingsystem.com where you will learn how to position capital outside of the banking system and the Wall Street casino, just like the ultra-wealthy, to protect it and create a pool of tax-free liquid capital to capitalize on the massive opportunity to buy discounted assets, which is coming. You can access the presentation at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Yeah, that's two things that you were just hitting on, the uh, the just the crisis with workforce housing and the f- communities, which is, that's, I mean, if you think about it, that pick your country in the world. That's what a lot of a lot of countries are struggling with right now. Because yeah. you could break it down to the individual, and then the family, and the family has to fit into a community. But we have a lot of fractured communities, um, which which just uh, accelerates accelerates this problem. Um, but yeah, it, and and then the, of course the happiness crisis. It's interesting. I saw a couple of statistics too, just based on um, pharmaceutical drugs and um, uh, prescriptions for antidepressants and, and and so forth and i mean you have hockey stick levels of growth um when it comes to certain demographics and like you said it was at the same time if you i mean you could look at other you look at this and you go well what has just happened right this is before 2020 like how is this possible that there's such hockey st- stick uh, growth when it comes to these prescriptions. And yeah, I mean, that, then it ties into the phone <laughs> and the social media yeah. and companies that are being launched and so forth. So yeah, it could definitely be a, a I mean, a well, force, force for good, or I mean, it leads to a lot of unhappiness too. Yeah. And to, to that point, you know, my big belief, and I don't, you know, we can go down as deep as this as you, you choose, but you know, I'm, I'm a strong, um, believer in in Christ I'm Christian and and you know I believe that uh a connection with the Lord and is 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 the 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 primary connection that so many people are are missing and you know turn to social media turn to you know prescription drugs turn to other things to make us happy to give us that feeling of fulfillment or joy and um you know it's come to I've I've come to realize so much in the last couple of years you know, the true attack on, on faith and, and, you know, how, uh, especially since COVID, how rapidly uh, the decline has been and, and people have a relationship with, with the Lord and whatever that means exactly to you, to me, that's, it's a relationship with, with Jesus. But um, it's, 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 there's so many amazing studies you can do that, that, that tie that relationship with a purpose, a meaning, a being bigger than yourself, um, what that does to your your happiness and your feeling of connection and self-worth and um and, and so forth. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the you you I would look at it as a spiritual crisis too. I think we have a massive spiritual crisis and that is that's yeah, so, accelerating yeah. beyond hockey stick levels uh since 2020. And then if you then bring in the other things, the health crisis, which then Besides the sp- spiritual side of, of humans, you have the physical side, right? Where if you look at the just the obesity rates, the health issues, and so forth, and then you know the mental, which we touch on with the pres- prescription drugs and the happiness and so forth, like that spiritual, physical, and the mental stuff <laughs> that you all need for for uh, for wholesome happiness. 
I mean, there's a crisis in every single one of those areas. And this is like, this is for business owner, owners and investors listening to this. This is the environment which you're operating in. Like these, you, you, <laughs> you have to understand the, your environment, right? And this is the world which you're going to build your business and you're going to, you're going to invest in, right? Agreed. Yeah. Really, really well said. Now, one of the things that really um, interests me um, personally, and I think our listeners and viewers can really find a lot of value here. I want to go back to your story because we have, you know, I could think of so many people in just in our network listening to this that all start, they're ver- they do very well. Um, maybe they start as a realtor. Maybe they start as a particular sales professional in, you know, a, a line of business and they really do well and they could do very, very well earning very, very good money and so forth. Um, but then you get to a point, right, where, all right, I'm a very good professional now. How do I take it? And maybe, you know, if, if you want to tie it to income, it's maybe a high six figure, you're getting close to seven figure. How do I really now ramp it up and take it to the next level? What was that moment in your journey where, and what, what, what advice can you give to someone how to, they feel like they've hit a ceiling, they've done very well, they invest in themselves, they invest in their relationships and so forth. What, 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 what can break them through that ceiling, which they've now kind of hit? Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great question. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I entered the the world of real estate at, at, uh, you know, 17 years ago, I was about 20 years old. Um, I was uh, uh, kind of fortunate enough. I wasn't afraid to uh, to hire and and to basically free myself up to be a great, as you just called it, professional. I.e., I knew that my biggest value I could create in working with homeowners was was working directly with them. So I knew I needed to be in calls with them, face to face with them. I needed to be, you know, negotiating and structuring the deals. I needed to be, you know. Front center, I needed support to free me up on a lot of I'll call the administrative um, side, right? So I hired my first uh, assistant um, about three weeks into my career. I hired my second one about three months in because um, the first one was overwhelmed. Um, and then, you know, a few months later, I started realizing, all right, I, because I was putting all my focus on 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 being in front of clients, I couldn't handle all the volume I had and. So I hired a couple, you know, salespeople that I could start giving some some clients to, right? So I did all that in my very first few months. And then soon after I realized, all right, I'm out in appointments. This was going face to face was my business of people's homes in my very beginning of my career. And, and I realized I'm driving so much that I'm uh, on the phone, on, on the road so much that I'm losing so much time that I hired a full-time driver to, to support me so that I could be productive in between appointments, right? So I built this structure, which a lot of people aren't even willing to do that, but I built this structure to allow me to be focused on being great at my craft, right? A great at a great professional. And that's what I did in my very beginning. And that allowed me to, to spend nearly 100% of my time on the things that, you know, I could do best to think the areas that I created the most value. But if I kind of stop there, which I think some people get there and they become really great professional, I think of, you know, say a dentist, right? As an example, and they build this great support system around them so they can be, you know, doing the high value uh, work with, with patients, you know, every minute of their day, right? Um, if you get to that point and that's where you stop, then you're going to, you know, forever be in the chair per se, right? As, as using the dentist example. Um, so what I realized pretty early on was um, that I needed to uh, develop uh, an organization. I needed to develop uh, leaders, not just a group of people that supported uh, me. Um, I, I've been a big Jim Collins fan for a long time. And, you know, he, he said, he calls it that, you know, the clock builder and the time teller. And he says, you know, most professionals, most leaders, 
Um, they spend their whole life, their whole career as a time teller, meaning that that everything has to come to you because you're the only person who can tell time, right? You're the only person who can make any decision. You're the only person who can who can um, who can uh, kind of tell what time it is, right? And the real test of a, of a leader and the real ability to build a great a great business and move to the next level is you've got to be a clock builder. You got to build other people capable of telling time, making decision, running areas of your organization without your personal involvement. And um, so I started doing that pretty early on. And then when I quickly realized all of a sudden now that I had all these, these different leaders and the organization started growing, I couldn't be in every meeting anymore, right? In the beginning, when you get five people or 10 people or 20 people, you can be in every meeting, you can be in every conversation, et cetera. I couldn't. And that's when I really started going, looking, how do I put the right set of, of, princ- those set of principles, tools, resources, ways to communicate um, as the organization grew? And and started taking the best ideas from different people, people like Gino Wickman and a system called EOS, people like Vern Harnish and a system called Scaling Up, you know, Sean Covey and the Four Disciplines of Execution, John Maxwell on Leadership, Jim Collins, as we talked about, you know, et cetera, et cetera, Patrick Lencioni. And um, and we built a, an operating system over a number of years we call the Elite Execution System, which is kind of our set of tools and resources that that how we run, how we communicate, how we lead, how we manage the, the people function of the organization, created this framework of how I think about a, a company, which is all companies have four quadrants, people, strategy, operations, and acceleration. And those four areas have to grow together a part of one plan to get repeatable, consistent results. And I think the the mistake a lot of people run into who are learners, like you and I, obviously, and people listening to a to podcasts, right, who are, who are learners. You want to improve, want to get better. Um, you know, I listen to about three books a week. And and um, and when you're listening to all these books or all these different gurus, right, all these experts, they a lot of people like to make it sound simple, right? If you just got really good at leadership, you know, your business will skyrocket. If you just got great at content marketing, if you just got great at checklists, if you just got great at hiring, right? And and you put if you put all your focus or too much focus on one area, you may get growth, uh, but then you, you have troubles, right? And you go up and down. Down and, and you know Jim Jim Collins says the great quote of more companies go out of business due to indigestion and starvation right and so what I learned is that you have to pull these things together part of one clear system and that's what the the elite execution system is where we we pull it together and we have a very consistent discipline plan where the people plan matches the operational plan the strategic plan the acceleration sales and marketing plan and that's what allowed us now this is year seventeen we've grown our revenue every single year for seventeen years. By over fifty percent, we're Inc. Five Thousand for eleven. We're Inc. Five Thousand for eleven years in a row, um, uh, which measures your growth over a three-year period of time. Um, you know, more companies are out of business um, five years after they make the Inc. Five Thousand list than they ever make the list again. Right? Uh, we've been on eleven years in a row, so we maintain this really consistent growth. I've never hit the top five hundred. Probably never will. I've been between 785 and 2600 every year for 11 years straight, right? Consistent discipline growth. And now we're 700 people and um, 450 million of operating revenue last year and, and so forth. So, so I, I love it how you put it all together that everything has to grow in equal, equilibrium. Because when you said yeah. that, I'm like, that's so true because you've you identify areas for improvement in a business, usually as an entrepreneur, and that becomes the obsession and the focus. And then all of a sudden you do that, and now you're off even kilt again 
because you're putting so much focus and energy into this area which you've identified, right? But you gotta, yep. you have to have a system, which I love that 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 how you put that, and you put this all together just for folks. Um, I just want to share this. Um, Don's got a great book, Building an Elite Organization: The Blueprint to Scaling a High Growth, High Profit Business, available on Amazon. So you can grab a, a copy of that book too, where he goes exactly through this entire system. Um, from the professional, then going into, you know, growing the team. I mean, in the beginning, it's the it's the people, right? And then the systems around the people. Um, what was it sort of, you know, as you just shared, was it kind of like all that you realized at the same time this has got to happen, the systems has got to scale at the same time and grow as the people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one one note, you know, to your point, yeah. So building elite organization, yeah, you can download it on on anywhere, but also listen to on Audible and Libro and, and such as well. Um, and then the next book, which is written to frontline employees called Building Elite Career, comes out in a couple months. And then uh, DLPElite.com, which is uh, kind of the website for the book, you can download a ton of resources and tools, such as the tool we built called The Compass, which lays out the strategic plan that ties in the people plan, the operational plan, et cetera, acceleration to pull it all together in a clear way. Um, that allows you to grow it as 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 one and 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 absolutely. I mean, when you take the time, you say, All right, "Here's my strategic goals." We call it, you know, uh, the the overall tool to compass that has our purpose, our our mission, our big, hairy, audacious goals, some checkpoints longer term, our strengths, our weaknesses, our our revenue drivers, and then we we narrow it down our our flywheel, um, you know, big picture strategic areas. Then we narrow it down what's our three year aim for the organization. You know, what are we going to look like in, in three years? You know, I try to, be able to close my eyes and envision what is this company going to look like three years from now in as much detail as possible in this changing, you know, uh, VOCA world, right? And then what's the one-year bullseye? What are the things we're going to accomplish this year despite the whirlwind, despite the things going on around us? What are the things for sure we're going to hit? What are the key numbers we're going to accomplish this year? What are the big improvements we're going to make strategically, operationally, from people's standpoint and from an acceleration standpoint? And when you lay that out in a clear way, it, it kind of comes together quite naturally. All right, if these are the goals. Well, what people do we need to do that? What operational improvements need to happen? You know, and then it's always a little bit of the trail. Saying, all right, if we put more focus on what we accomplished this year, how is that going to set us back to what we want to accomplish in three years or make it harder, right? Like building and investing in technology almost never is going to help you this year, right? It's yeah. almost always going to distract you from hitting goals this year, right? It's almost going to slow down revenue, um, because you're going to put resources and energy around something that's not going to add any tangible value this year, but it might add tangible value three years from now, right? Um, so, so that's all kind of a, a process of, of how you pull that together and make decisions on how you want to go about building building your, your business, going about building an elite organization as the, as the title of the book. And that'll take you um, from just from our discussion, you know, where a lot of folks, they're a great soldier, right? The professional. And then you get to become a general which is the business running a business or a division of the business. And then yeah. eventually you have to become strategic and invest in these systems because that'll eventually have you become the king or the queen, right? Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. I've never never thought about that exact way. Um, I just had a couple of comments. Here. I think the, the thing that some people get confused about, um, so a great book called The Four Disciplines of Execution by Sean Covey. You know, he he built this whole system around wildly important goals, wigs as he he calls them, and and he he has some really great quotes in the book, some great things that I help I think help bring clarity to people, which is, you know, um, the couple couple things. So first is the urgent is rarely important, and the important is rarely urgent. 
Um, and, you know, most of the things that we spend our time on are the urgent. And those are the easy things to focus on. because those are the things that act upon act on us, right? The emails, the phone calls, the things coming right at us. Yep. And because these are the things coming at us, people coming to us for them, the things we're already good at. It doesn't take, it's not that hard to answer an email, to take a phone call on things you already know how to do. It's much harder to do the important things that you have to initiate the action, the things that are proactive, the big projects, the priorities, moving things forward. Um, that's the hard stuff that you can easily distract yourself with, with the urgent things, right? Tim Ferriss has a great quote of um, that, you know, busyness is another form of laziness. And we all are busy, Right. And you can get very easy to get busy with all the urgent things um, coming at us every day. Um, and the other thing that I think was really powerful for me to think about when you start thinking, all right, I need to start building these systems and building this business and investing in this structure. That doesn't mean that you're going to get to a point as, as a CEO or leader of your organization, in my opinion, where you're going to now be able to not do the day-to-day job, that you're going to be able to step out and just work on the business all day. Um, that sounds wonderful and nice. So I'm just going to hire everybody else to do all the work and I'll work on all the, the big picture stuff. That sounds wonderful, but that's not how it really works. The leaders I know who are most successful keep their feet in the dirt, right? Feet the, Keep their feet in the ground yep. while their head's in the cloud at the same time. And it's about being able to dedicate a little bit of time, right? It's that spending 10% of your time on the important things, right? The really big things that are going to move the business forward, that are going to shape the direction, the strategic picture, putting in system, making the big directional decisions, while you're still spending 80 or 90% of your time in the business. Um, and, And you have to be able to balance those two things at the same time to get the kind of results that I'm talking about, right? If you've got venture capital money and you don't need to make profits and and you can just just drive you know revenue and, and just work on the big stuff and you don't have to you don't have to be very good at what you do today. You just have to be able to grow. Maybe you don't have to do that. But if you need to actually be profitable while you grow, you've got to keep your 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 uh, feet in the in the dirt. You've got to keep your head on, on understanding what's going on, attached to what's happening at the front line, even as you grow grow the organization. It's about just that discipline of spending those few hours every week on the big things that you can that are going to move the long-term direction of the organization while you stay in touch and and then my last kind of coming around that and I'm going to switch gears a, whole, a quick quote whether you're a professional and you're hey you're you're a dentist to go back to that example and that's that's what you want to do and that's your your focus um where you want to be a general as you said or the king or queen I like that um you know what I think one of the biggest mistakes I see in people trying to go through that journey in, in any which which way and and is the belief that in order to be a great, um, you know, operator or, or uh, professional or, or general, that that means that I have to sacrifice in all the other areas of my life. And so one of the big things that we that we teach in our organization, to all of our employees uh, that we spend a lot of our time and a lot of my time on is, is, is the concept. It's one of our core values of living fully. And I think about life and the eight F's of life, which are faith, family, friends, freedom, fun, fulfillment, fitness, and finance. And I believe in today's world with the technology we have today, um, the flexibility we have in our work, so that you can, you can excel in all eight of those areas at the exact same time. That those areas don't have to be in conflict with each other. It's not like it was maybe for our parents or grandparents where, hey, in order to be productive, I've got to stay in the office to seven, eight, nine o'clock. And that means I'm going to miss everything for my kids and I don't have time for my health and whatnot. You can do all these things at the same time. And the way I think about it, there's eight F's of life, fitness and finance and family and friends and faith. I want to spend as much of my time hitting home runs as possible. 
i.e., where I'm working on four of these areas at the same time, right? You know, so I think about it. if I can work on four or five of these in the exact same day, the exact same activity, awesome, right? If I'm hitting just singles all the time, nothing wrong with a single, but if I'm only working on one of these areas, uh, I want to do a little bit of my time there. And so I want to integrate these areas. So I call it work-life integration um, instead of most people think about it as work-life balance. You know, Jeff Bezos came out recently and said, you know, work-life balance is an integrated antiquated uh concept is the concept of that one is in conflict with another he said it's more like a circle um and that's what we call it. we call it the personal compass another tool we built that's in those free tools where you integrate these eight areas together the goals in your business the goals in your in, with all the other goals in your life and it's amazing when you just take that approach how you can how you can achieve what you want in all areas uh, of your life at the same time not that they're ever going to all be going exactly perfect at any time but you can you can grow these all and improve them all at the same time, um, and and really as we call it, live live fully. No, absolutely, and I I appreciate you sharing that, uh, that and especially the, the 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 part just about how you can you you can have it all because a lot of folks you know we 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 are very driven people that are very focused and sometimes you know leaning toward in one area takes away from the others, but there's definitely a way, like you said, to do activities that just spreads it all across uh, those eight Fs as you just uh, shared. That was, that was awesome. And, and one quick note to that, sorry, uh, is, you know, a big part of that, how you do that. And we were talking about it before, you know, I, I virtual school my kids and, you know, I have an 11, 10 and, and one-year-old and built a support system around that a traveling teacher and her husband. You might say, well, that's not something I could do today. And I couldn't have done that either five years ago. Right. But I made it a plan then and started putting things into, into action. And so, so it's, it's getting your tribe, the people in your life, right? What, what you, what life is more important about is, you know, is who you do life with and what you do in their life. Right. And, and um, so thinking about the goals and the things we want to accomplish with, all right, who are the people who, who I want on that ride with me? And if you can get them bought in to what your goals are and get them a part of your success, which are, these are the people you love and who love you, they should want to be a part of your success. Then you can build a life around the way you want, right? So when I go and travel, I'm spending 30 days for the next month in Alaska, Vancouver, uh, Bozeman, Glacier, Yellowstone, uh, Jackson Hole. And I'll be working over those 30 days, right? I'm, I'm still engaged in my business. I'll be working. Um, I'll still work 50, 60 hours a week, right? But I'll take a lot of Fridays off, I'll largely take the weekends off, right? I'm a little bit, or I'm on East Coast here now. So I get be able to get done, you know, three, four in the afternoon instead of, you know, six, seven in the afternoon, right? And and yep. spend plenty of time, create great memories with my kids and my family. We have a goal. Our BHAG as a family is a thousand extraordinary days in a hundred different places. And so we'll be out making extraordinary days as we call it. Um, uh, while I still run my business and, and I've got, you know, my leaders in my organization know this is a priority to me and they're bought in and understanding how that affects them, right? Of course, I had to get my wife on board and and kids and, and everybody else that 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 this was this was what we wanted to do and it causes certainly some sacrifices to do that I have to get up extra early in the morning right when I'm in different time zones and um, and whatnot right and yeah some days would I say I'd rather not work at all and just go hike all day sure and I had have to work right but it's a great balance to be able to have these experiences um, and uh, and and um, you know all of us have a little bit of sacrifice in order to, to live the life we want. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, Penumbra Solutions. Live Settlements Investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint 
followed by institutional investors. If you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing live settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. The password to access that webinar is Penumbra, all lowercase. And we talk about this concept of creating games that are worth winning. And this, you know, because a lot of times people, whether they know it or not, they create a game. And then they win the game, but the, the the winning of the game didn't look anything like they even thought it was. In fact, they could have now created a different pr- prison for themselves. Yep. One for all the time. Yeah, from which they wanted to escape. And I know because I did that, you know, years ago. So I I could definitely speak from experience. You know, leave one prison, try to get out of it, and you build another one for yourself. Um, so you have to be very very intentional. And you have to create this game, which I love uh, that that you did. And you made this a priority, got everybody to board in, and now it became a reality. Yeah, well, well said. And you know, I actually have done uh, you know a, a talk on a, you know some big stages on what I what I call the five keys to success, significance, uh, and happiness. And and I've actually sort of added a, a six or a sort of what I call the the secret sauce to it. So the first is intentionality, right? Being intentional about what you want to accomplish in your life, what you want to do, and who you want to do it with, as I mentioned earlier, uh, having clear purpose. Um, uh, third is goals. So having you know very clear um, goals. Fourth is grit. Um, five is is a having a growth mindset, which we spend a lot of time talking about. It's the number one area I'm focused on with my children today. And then the sixth, what I what I call the you know I've been just saying is the sixth one is the sort of the secret sauce to, to those five is is being present. And I think that's where a lot of people go right. And those people who, you know, people who listen to something like our conversation right now and they say, hey, I want to go and, and, and do these. For example, people say, hey, I want to be a better father and I'm going to start being home more. Right. And so I'm going to start, you know, coming home. So I've, you know, example, I coach my kids sports now 17 seasons in a row and, and, you know, and I get home for dinner most days. And, you know, and so other people say, oh, I want to do that. I want to start doing that. Right. Well, if I get home for dinner at 5 30 um, and then I'm either on the phone, that's just the you know worst from my computer and I'm just ignoring my family, right? Or maybe not as obvious bad is, all right, I'm there with them, not on my phone, but my mind is somewhere completely else. And I'm ignoring, my kids are asking me questions. I'm not actually listening. I'm just saying, uh-huh. I'm just letting them go play on their iPads or watch TV. In many ways, that's even worse than not even being home, right? So I think, oh, I'm being a good father. I'm committing, I'm getting home at 530, but now I'm fully distracted and I'm not present in that moment at all because I'm so worried about what's next. Um, you know, so I think about being present is, is where I'm at sitting physically is not in conflict at all with where my mind is, right? When my mind can be where my body is, because I know this is where I'm supposed to be right now. This yep. is where I've decided I've mapped out my life. I've mapped out my schedule. I've mapped out my days. This is how I want to spend my evenings. This is what I've committed to is the most important thing I should be doing on a weekday evening, that this is where I should allow my mind to be and put aside all the other stuff that's going on, I'll deal with that, you know, afterwards, once I get my kids to bed each night, then I, I get caught up and clear the deck and prepare for the next day. But while I'm with them, I need to be fully there. And that being present, I think, is where a lot of people kind of go awry as we're so anxious and so a lot of us so motivated, right, to want to get to the next step that we are in such a rush, um, right, that, that, you know, to put ourselves in the next prison, as you said, 
um, that we can lose sight of being in that moment. I saw a great billboard the other day when I took my kids to a baseball game that said, these are the good old days, right? And uh, we we can easily forget that, right? Yep, a- abs- absolutely. Um, I have a, another question because I'm just, um, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, a lot of questions that I've, I've been asked and also uh, questions that some of our listeners might have too. So um, you, you, you're in a ton, a couple of lines of business, right? How many lines of business do you guys have now at DLP? Um, it depends how you, how you think about it. But, um, you know, we have, as we kind of think about it, four, four or five uh, platforms. So banking, gotcha. uh, property management, um, lending, um, and investment or fund management are sort of our, our core platforms and development. Right. Right? Yeah. Cause this, w- this w- will be a next question at what stage, cause you start on one, your core kind of business and your focus and you build that line of business. Um, at what stage does it make sense uh, to add something that's symbiotic or that uh, can be added on and complements what you're already doing? Um, yeah. and something else that you're bringing to your existing customers or clients at what's the, you know, what's your thinking around that? Um, so I'll first answer. So we do. So uh, one of our core areas of focus of how we lend money and deploy equity is with we find other great developers, real estate sponsors, and and they become what we call an elite member. And we help them implement our operating system, the elite execution system. We provide them with consulting and coaching and support. And part of that journey is they fly into my offices you know, the, the the owner and his leadership team. And we do a day we call compass day where we lay out that direction, that tool we talked about, we lay out the direction to their organization. And so I've done, I don't know, 50 of these now, 75 of these, and everyone's very different than every other one. I tell them, you know, whatever the, the biggest, you know, area that you think I can help you in your business, that's what we'll, we'll focus on. Right. And so they come, they have this compass, at least f- partially drafted and almost more times than not, almost always, we end up in a conversation like what you just asked me, and almost always it's all right. Right now they're they've got a, a they're, they've got a specific strategy that they're doing. Maybe they're doing it in a couple markets, and now that you know, so let's say they they acquire multifamily properties in Dallas Fort Worth, right? And now they want to go and they and they're a twenty person company that does this, and and now all of a sudden they want to do property management in house. They want to do construction management in house. They want to get into ground up development. They want to expand to seven new states, and they want to do all that at the same time. Oh, and launch an investment fund, and they have you know fifteen people or twenty people, right? Mm-hmm. And so almost always our conversation is pulling that back and pulling back, saying, well, why would we go to all these new markets? Have you tapped out the size and scale in Dallas Fort Worth? Probably not, right? Um, right? Do you, you know why are we going to, into into new business lines? And almost always we end up in the meetings actually me helping them. Uh, scale down the number of places they're going to go, right? Warren Buffett's attributed to many great quotes. One of them is the difference between billionaires and millionaires is millionaires or billionaires say no more often, right? And the ability to choose a very few great ideas that you're going to pursue um, is very, very hard for entrepreneurs. And so the way I think about it is, you know, we're and people look at DLP as a maybe in some ways that we look like a bad example because we're in a bunch of different business lines and oh no, but we we didn't do that overnight, right? So the way I think about it is we don't ever launch a new business line until what we're already doing is very profitable. I've got strong leadership in place. Um and we feel what we're going to go into is going to be complementary and that we are going to be able to put the resources and dedication to be you know, world-class at what we're going to do. 
And so uh, we find ourselves, you know, more often scaling down the things we're doing and and where we're doing them than, than scaling up over the years as we've gotten bigger, which sounds, you know, the opposite to most people uh, think about it. Um, and then the other important point to that that question is it's a lot easier to go and exp- expand into additional business lines or additional businesses if you've mastered a set of uh, of business tools and resources and language um, and a, a purpose and a mission and values that you can carry into other businesses. So all of our business lines all are part of the same purpose, all share the same mission, all have the same core values, all run the elite execution system, all run the same meeting rhythm, the same way we prioritize, the same way we solve issues, the same way we set goals. And that's the only way that I can be in a bunch of business lines is I know the leadership teams in each area are running the same playbook, right? They're running the, the same systems. They're, they're sharing and co- contributing to the same goal. They all share the same we call core client. Um, that's the only way we can be in, in a bunch of different business lines. Um, if they were, if they had, you know, different different goals, different um, values, different missions, uh, running different playbooks, it'd be it'd be near impossible. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says you can be conventional. Or you can be wealthy. Pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his team bring their investors high-yield investment opportunities across several asset classes for cash flow, tax impact, and equity growth. He and his team are one of the top five ATM operators in the country, and they have an investment opportunity available to accredited investors right now in the ATM space. To learn more about their ATM funds that produce tax-free cash flow, visit therealassetinvestor.com. That's therealassetinvestor.com. It's something that a lot of folks struggle with, and it's it's hard sometimes to hear, like you just said. Like, no, 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 you should not be doing it. You should just focus on what you're doing and, and max out the space that you're in rather than you know what's the? Uh, I believe it's uh, and I butcher quotes, but it's a it's maybe a Chinese proverb or something that says he who chases many rabbits ca- catches none. Or something. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Well, I also remind myself, you know, we we measure something at DLP we call productivity per person, which is net revenue divided by our number of employees, and that's our number one way to measure our our growth and our success. Are we getting more production per person as we get bigger? So we, when we started measuring productivity per person, we were you know, 100,000 a person, now we're 450. And um, when we started measuring, Apple was at 2 million a person, right? They were the most productive company you know, in the world, and they still are. And um, you know, we're now at 450, so we're, you know, we've got our targets on them. And realistically, we think we'll, we'll hit Apple's level of productivity in you know, five or six years, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but my point is you know, Apple rolls out a new product every three or four or five years, right? They they do hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue, um, have tens of thousands of employees, right? And they launch a, a, a new product every few years, right? Yet yep. entrepreneurs with 20 employees and 5 million of revenue want to launch a new business line every week, right? And uh, it's, a, it's a good reminder. Very good reminder. Um, Don, what are you uh, studying these days? Like, uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you learning? What are you researching? I'm always interested in, uh, to see what uh, other very successful people uh, are studying and learning. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I read a, a lot. So I use Audible. Uh, we provide a, a similar app called Libro as a, as a 
perk to all of our employees where they can download unlimited audiobooks. And um, I stick with Audible because I've used it just for many, many years and have thousands of books. But I'm always reading, always learning uh, about a wide range of topics. You know, my most uh, consistent topic I'm always studying is is leadership. And um, it's it's the center of any great organization. And I'm constantly striving to be a be a better um, a better leader. Um, you know, I'd say over the last um, uh, year, I've spent a lot of time studying uh, longevity and, and health and wellness. And we've actually hosted a, a big event on longevity where we had literally the world's experts on uh, longevity come join us in Puerto Rico for a three-day event. And that was really cool. So spent a lot of time on that because we talk a whole lot about that. You know, I, I, of, of most recent, I've been um, reading a number of books around um, I'll call, um, well, like the most recent book I'm reading, it just finished, um, was called Sacred Pace by, um, a gentleman named, uh, Terry, can't name Terry's last name, but, uh, uh, but out of Houston, Texas. And, and a really interesting book, a really incredible multi-billion dollar company and talks about how he only works 40 hours a week. He set that principle 30 plus years ago. Uh, he doesn't make any decision without first taking the time to listen to what God uh, is telling him to do on any major decision. And he's kind of takes a slower pace per se than uh, most people would think. We're so quick to to think we have the answer, so quick to make decisions in such a rush in life. Um, and his approach to taking your time to listen to what God wants you to do is uh, was really powerful. And, and kind of like, you know, any of us, right? When you hear a, a, a writer or a guru say it, it's, it's great. But when you hear somebody who's built a multi-billion dollar business actually on doing what he's saying, um, it's pretty, pretty powerful. So, so that was pretty cool. I just finished, uh, Elon Musk's, uh, biography, the one that he actually participates in, the uh, author's Amanda something. That was really, really interesting. I didn't know nearly as much about him. And, um, it was, uh, it was a quite, quite interesting read. Um, so those are some of the things I've been, uh, reading and, and learning about most recent. Awesome. Uh, now the show, we talk a lot about business. We talk about investing, but it's also about uh, a legacy and leaving a legacy, uh, so I always ask first-time guests uh, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we, you are only allowed to pass on three principles or values to them to help them build wealth and achieve happiness and success. What would they be? So I hope you mind. I'm going to come to exact answer. I'm going to think about it for a second. But so I, the last thing I was going to say before I just stopped was legacy, and I actually just spent a day and a half with David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby doing a workshop with him on legacy. We're hosting a large event in Ponte Vedra Beach in November called the Prosperity Family Wealth and Legacy Conference. We just did in March a whole event centered around legacy in New Orleans. Um, so a big part of what we do for the families that invest with them is we help them avoid what we call the shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeves in three generations, right? The fact that first generation wealth creators have their wealth typically lost by the second or third generation. And losing the wealth isn't the, isn't the sad part or the scary part to me. It's the fact that the wealth became a liability, not an asset to future generations, right? It, it enabled instead of enabled um, uh, success and growth. And, and so often that comes down to the issues aren't, aren't like, aren't investment decisions. They're not tax planning issues. They're, they're establishing, they just ask, establishing clear values and meaning uh, to your family, lessons you want to teach them. And so, you know, right now my kids are, as I mentioned earlier, 11, 10, and 1, we do a family meeting every single month. Every month we go through and we, we talk about one of our family core values. Our, our core values spell out be a light. I can go through what they all are, but, um, and, you know, we've got a, 
a clear set of, of principles that we want to uh, I want to pass on to my kids. I've already gone and recorded what we call a lifetime memoir, a video message to kind of my grandkids and great grandchildren wrote kind of a book to my grandchildren. I've um, done a lot of things to make sure that if I got hit by that proverbial bus tomorrow, those those lessons, um, you know, pass on. Um, so, you know, right now, in terms of the specific areas I'm focused on with my with my children are are instilling the the value of uh, grit value of hard work of the and and part of that is struggle you know every you know you've interviewed many people on your podcast successful people and almost everybody has their you know american idol story and their you know their rags to riches the struggles that they went through and they were able, able to overcome but for some reason successful people think it's their job to rob their children of struggle and we try to avoid our children going through struggle. And that's why they come out soft and incapable of, of taking care of themselves. And you have to allow your children to struggle. So I spent a lot of time trying to make sure I put my children in positions that they not, you know, I'm not trying to make their life hard, but allowing them to struggle, not trying to save them from it. And that helped build the the hardiness, the 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 grit. And I'll just give a really quick example of that. So my, my oldest son is a is a great athlete and uh and so I focus a lot on group with him. It's not highlighting, hey, you had four touchdowns last week, but highlighting the activities he did, the practice, the work, the improvement, right? That that got you the results, right? And that right now at his age, at going in sixth grade, it's been a lot of time teaching the principles of leadership and developing his teammates and encouragement and not showboating and, and those types of things. Um, so I do a lot around grit that sports are a great example, but another great example from sports is, is struggle. So my son is the... Um, second best uh, dribbler on his basketball team by a distant second. Um, and he's, you know, the star defender and scorer and whatnot, but he's not the best dribbler. And the other kid, the point guard on the team is by far, it's his close friend. And and anyway, we played against a really good team. And his friend is the point guard, had the ball stolen from him about 10 times halfway through the first half, right? And the kid was so embarrassed um, that, and that all of a sudden he had a bellyache. And so his dad, who's the head coach, took him out of the game and his mom came over and coddled him. And, and he was, you know, he was obviously clearly embarrassed, right? So my son took over as point guard duties. And so my son's now having similar success, right? Where they're taking the ball from him every time down court. And he's got a bellyache, right? He, he fell and he hurt his knee and his knee hurts. He's looking over at me on the sideline every chance he can. His eyes are watered up and, and he, he's embarrassed, right? And um, everything as dad, I want to just take him out of the game and give him a hug and, um, you know, let somebody else have to deal with the pressure, right? But me, I didn't. I, I had to ignore eye contact with him, but I made him stay out there the whole game, right? And and guess what happened after that? Uh, he wanted to become a great dribbler. Now he, he dribbles 30 minutes to an hour every day, right? An hour ago, right before this podcast, down beneath me is my garage. He's down there dribbling. Right. And and now he's a much better dribbler. And and it, that that shock of, hey, you know, he's always a star and he always looks so good of having to struggle and be embarrassed um, has has created a, a much high, uh, higher work ethic. So that that's a big message I want to instill. Another big one is growth mindset and growth mindset. If you've never read the book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, highly recommend it. One of the most impactful books I've ever read. And the concept of a growth mindset um, is the belief that if you're willing to put forth the work to learn, and you're willing to do the hard work of, of you know taking action, you can accomplish anything, right? Getting out of that belief that I'm just not good at this, it's just not who I am. I just wasn't you know born with these abilities. Understanding that if you're willing to work and you're willing to learn, you can do anything. 
And I'll just give one more quick example. So you could have two children who both really are great, great students. They really get A's. They really want great grades. They really want to be the top of their class. And they both go take a science test. And let's say they both get a C on that science test. And the kid with the growth mindset is going to say, you know, darn, I, I, I'm really upset I got the C. Want to know what questions did I get wrong, right? So that next time I can get them right. Want to know what they can do to learn get better so that on the next test, next opportunity, they do better. The kid with the fixed mindset is going to say things like, the teacher didn't teach me the right things. That wasn't what was supposed to be on the test. I'm just not good at science. It's not fair, right? They, They both can be very motivated and driven. But that approach of when they face hardship, when they things don't go the way they want, the belief that I can learn and I can get better, or the belief there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just a victim of my circumstances has so many ripple effects through life and how you approach challenges, right? There's that great quote of, you know, of everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Yep. You know, when you get punched in the face, it's, it's, it's what do you do then, right? Do you believe that you can get better next time or, or do you give up, right? And um, so those are the two, two really big, you know, lessons. And then let's, let's throw the third one in, if I've narrowed it down, is, is just uh, I want my children to have a strong relationship with the Lord and understand the path to, to salvation is through a relationship with Christ and understand um, that, uh, we don't have the answers. Um, and, you know, so it, all of us as entrepreneurs, we get so many people pat us on the back and tell us we're so great and we're so smart and want to listen to us talk kind of like we're doing right now. And, and it can get to our heads and we think, Hey, I have all the answers. I'm so smart. Um, and to understand that, that I, any knowledge I do have, right. is because it was given to me. I was given these blessings, put in this situation, uh, for a much greater power, uh, than I. Fantastic. Um, where can folks follow you? Where can they stay and uh, just informed of all the many projects that you're involved with? And uh, where can they uh, just keep in keep in touch with you? Yeah, so dlpcapital.com is our main website. Um, dlpelite.com is the is the link that I mentioned that has all the free downloads. You can see all of our events on our website. I'm on, you know, my team's on all the social media platforms. To be honest, I'm not on too much, but I, I do check LinkedIn. Um, and um, I'd love for you to join us. I do, as you see on our website, our events, live events, virtual events. Most of them are free. Welcome to come join us, stay in touch. I run a podcast as well called Impact with Don Winter. Um, uh, welcome you to, to check out as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and just sharing your knowledge uh, and your journey with us. Um, this has been extremely valuable. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners and our viewers for spending the most valuable resource, your time once again with me on the Cashflow Ninja. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. Until next time, live infinitely. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.